Good morning. Let's open our Bibles, John chapter 10, please. We talked last time about Jesus and his sheep and that it's a very personal thing for him. And, you know, he's very attached to us. He's, he, he takes care of us. And, and uh, we talked about who are his sheep, what makes us one of his sheep. And this is what Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. We saw that in, in John chapter 10, verse 27. Verse 26 talked about those who believed in him as well. And so, you know, I asked the question, are we one of his sheep? Are you one of his sheep? That's the, that's the most important question in all of life. Are you one of his? Do you belong to him? And he uh, gave his life that we might belong to him, that we might trust in him, that we might listen to him, that we might follow him and know him. Today I want to talk about something a little bit different, although it is related Seriously related. Did you ever lose something? Any of you ever lost anything besides your mind? You know, I don't know about you, but I hate to lose stuff. I just, and this is why it's such a problem, because it, it like gets into your mind, you know, and you look and look and you, and maybe you find it and maybe you don't. Has that ever happened to you? Um, I found this article, and it really is kind of an, an advertisement for a company that thinks that they have found a way to help you solve this, uh, a company called Pixie. Uh, but some of the uh, information is interesting. They said that Americans spend two and a half days a year looking for lost items. Two and a half days you spend in your life every year just looking for stuff. Uh, can anybody tell me what the top item is? What? No, that's number two. I'm sorry. The remote. The TV remote. That tells me we probably watch too much TV if that's the most lost thing. Or maybe we don't watch it enough just so we don't know where to put the thing. I don't, I don't know. But it starts uh, uh, 71% lost the remote at least once a month. And then phones, uh, keys, glasses. How many of you are looking for your glasses right now? And shoes. I don't know how you lose shoes. But, but they say that, that we spend, this is Americans now, we spend about 2.7, I don't know how they know this, $2.7 billion every year replacing stuff that we lost. I don't know if that's true or not. How do you know that? That's just a wild guess, if you ask me. They say that, that more than half of us are, are, are regularly late for work or school because you're looking for something. Is that true? And you're looking for something, so you are late. You say, oh, I'm late. I'm sorry, boss. I'm late. I was looking for my toothbrush. I was looking, I don't know, I was looking for something that really is important. Half the stuff we look for isn't all that important anyways. But, you know, I've been thinking lately, you know, that I can't remember things. I'm, I'm having trouble remembering things. And so some say, well, you know, it's because you get older, that's when you lose stuff. But actually, it's the opposite. 
They say that millennials are twice as likely as boomers to lose their stuff. And I, and I like this statement, boomers come out on top as being the most responsible generation. Okay, I'm a boomer, so I know. That's, I agree with you. How about this? Despite the battle of the sexes, men and women are equally likely to lose items. You can't say, oh, it's just the guys that are losing stuff. It's, it, it may be the gals that find the stuff easier. My wife's always saying, you just, you know, I'll go look for something, and she just go right and find it, like she sees it, like, and I'm going like, you don't look very well, she says. You don't know how to look. Okay. Well, why don't you just look for me then? Because that leads into this next thing. Misplacing an item can also lead to arguments. With one in three sharing, they get in fights when things go missing. <laughs> because you blame the other person. Did you move that thing? What would you do with that thing? Why would you move it? 63% fessed up to blaming someone else for losing it. <laughs> but I don't want to agree with this, but it says men are the most likely to put the blame on someone else than women. So, I don't know. I really don't know. One, one last thing about this. <clears throat> before, before you're going to say, what's that got to do with anything here in the Bible? You'll, hopefully you'll see. An upside, I quote, to hunting for a missing item is that two out of three adults shared they have found another missing item while hunting for something else. <laughs> so the good, the good thing is that you're probably going to find something, that, something else you're looking for when you're looking for the thing you're looking for. So I think we all kind of can relate to that, that we all kind of lose something, you know, something on this picture, the remote, the keys, all kinds of weird stuff we lose. We just can't seem to keep an eye on it. We can't seem, we don't know where it is. We lose it. And then we look and we look. And, 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 and so the question I want to ask today, and I mentioned this last week, is can you lose your salvation? It's a big question. We're not going to answer every part of it today, but can you lose your salvation? I... I think, I think this is, there's some questions, a lot of questions we need to ask, and I want to throw some of them out and, and even not have all the answers, but did you find it, your salvation, or did he find you? So if that's the case, then he would have to lose you. He'd have to lose me. Does that make sense? And is that possible for him to lose stuff? I don't think he knows how to lose stuff. He always knows where his remote is. Right? He always knows where you are. You know, he, he, can't, he always knows where I am. It's like we're, you know, engraved on the palms of his hands. Our passage today that we're going to look at, just a couple of verses here. Uh, Jesus kind of gives us some of the answers. He spells out some of the answers. Look, let's pick it up in verse 28. 
<clears throat> he says this, uh, well, let's start in verse 27 so we have some context. He says, my sheep, they listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And then verse 28, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. In verse 30, I and the Father are one. We're going to talk about that mostly next time. But notice this, he says that I give them eternal life. Now, this is a, this is a, a big statement, and you have to, like, stop. You know, you can read over and, 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 and quickly uh, read passages, but he says, I give them eternal life, he says. And they shall never perish, my sheep. Who does he give this to? He says he gives it to his sheep, right? We talked about this last time. Who are his sheep? Those who believe, those who know him, those who are known by him, those who follow him. John chapter 3. In fact, let's turn there, if you would. John chapter 3, verse 14. Uh, in the middle of that, those verses, John three sixteen. But let's look at John chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. What does it say there? It says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That is the cross. What? Verse 15, that everyone who believes in Him may have what? Eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. And then jump down to verse 36, chapter 3. Whoever believes in the Son, has what? Eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Jesus says here in verse uh, 28 of chapter 10, I give them eternal life. How do we get that? Who gets that? Who is the one? He says those who believe, those who trust in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for our sins, that he was buried, that he rose from the dead. Why do you keep talking about that every week? Because that is like the heart of who we are as Christians, as believers. That's the heart of, of our faith. But Jesus here, he says in John 10, I give them eternal life. I give them. Notice he says that I give it to them. That's an important thing. Again, just one word means a lot. I give them. When you give somebody something, it's a gift, right? Now, if they did something to earn it from you, is it still a gift? It's not a gift anymore. It's... It's either wages because, the, you know, that you've hired them to do it, or, or it's an obligation. Well, you did this, so i got to give you that. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but, but what he's saying is here is it's a gift. And the, the language here speaks about the fact that it's a gift that I give right now. It's not something that we're going to have in the future. He says, I give them eternal life. It's a now possession. So if you are one of his sheep, if you believe in him, 
You have eternal life right now. You have eternal life. Say, what does that matter? Well, it matters because it's something that you have right now. It's not something you're going to get later. So, you know, you're going to kind of wander around in life, and it it, it ties in with what I'm trying to talk about here today. You know, if if it's something you're going to get in the future, well, how could you ever lose it? But it's something you have right now. So it, it, it's pertinent to our discussion here. Uh, one, one man said this. He says, according to John here, uh, eternal life begins on earth. Just as, as soon as one becomes united to Christ by faith. Eternal life begins now here on earth. It stretches into eternity. But it's a gift, right? It's, it's a gift. What kind of a gift is it? A grace gift, yes. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We didn't earn it. We didn't pay for it. We can't take any credit for it at all. You say, you know, why are you talking about that now? Because it has to do with whether we can lose it, whether it can be taken away from us. Because it's not based on what I do. It's not based on what you do. It's based on the gift that God gave to you and to me. That's an important thing to understand. And so we go back to this. He says, I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. You have to think about this word eternal now. You know, if you have eternal life, now you have human life on this earth, and and is it going to be eternal? Life on earth is not going to be eternal, right? It's temporary. But he says, I give them eternal life, and this word for eternal, how long is eternal, by the way? It's a long time. The word, the word, uh, in the original language, and I looked this up, uh, where? It says, without beginning and end, never to cease, everlasting. It's from a, another word, which means forever, an unbroken age, perpetuity of time, eternity. So he says, I give them, he's given to you and to me as believers, eternal life, and we have it. It's our possession right now. An unbroken age. Do you understand that? It's not something that starts and then it stops for a while and it starts again. And depending on how good we are, that's how Santa operates, right? You know, what is it? You, how does that uh, go? You know, he knows the kids are naughty and nice. And, and, you know, then he might give you a lump of coal in your stocking or he might give you uh, a new cell phone. I mean, you know however that works. But that's not the basis for eternal life. It's a gift that he's given. It's ours. It's, it's unbroken. It's eternal. It's, it's lasting forever. Someone said this, we have eternal life, not just life for as long as we don't sin. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Now, do, does that sound so far from what I've said so far, does that sound like something that you can lose? Notice he says there, they will never perish. Never equals what? 
Never equals never. You know, sometimes I find, you know, I'll read a, a word there and I want to go look up and find the deeper meaning. And, and you look it up and it means exactly what it says it means. So sometimes I think, well, I, I got to like understand English first before I can understand any other, you know, uh, deeper concepts and understanding of a deeper word. So just the English alone, if I can at least understand the English, what's written there. He said, You're, you, you will never perish. But looking at the original language, there are, there are two, actually two words, and it's not like a, you know, in English we have the double negative. You put two negatives together, it becomes a positive. It's, it's, in, in this language, it's more like an absolute negative. It's negative, negative. No, cannot, not at all, by no means is the first part. The second one is no, not, simply, absolutely, categorically not. That's what, that's what it means. You cannot perish. There's something secure in that, or at least there should be, don't you think? You, if you have been saved and you have been born again by the Spirit of God and God has given you eternal life, Jesus said, I give them eternal life. If you have been given eternal life, it is eternal it is, you are never going to perish. It's not going to be taken away from you if you do X, X, and Y. I think on the human plane, we look at things very differently, don't we? We, we, we basically, everything is, is works. Everything is, you know, I want to earn. And, and sometimes we think about that, you know, well, you know, God is going to be very mad at me because I did this. Now, I may not be happy with, with you or, or, or me with some of the things that we do. But this eternal life is, is not going to be taken away from us. It's, we're not going to perish. We're not going to be lost or ruined or destroyed. We read there in uh, John 3.16 that, that those who believe would not perish. And here it says, Jesus says, we will never perish. Even stronger, it gets stronger. Matthew Henry, the commentator, said this, they shall by no means perish forever, not one sheep lost. Not one sheep lost. So if you and I are one of his sheep, we're safe. He's not going to lose you. He's not going to lose me. You know, it's not based upon what I do and my performance. Sometimes we got this, we've got this uh, impression like, I'm saved by grace, but I keep my salvation by works. I have to, you know, I have to measure up. I have to, I have to do really, really well. Otherwise, you know, he might just pull it back. That's not how he works. That's not, that's not what it's based upon. Does that make sense? Are you with me so far? Are you tracking with me so far? If not, uh, I'm sorry. He says, no one can snatch them out of my hand. No one. Nothing. My Father who's given to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of His hand. We, I and the Father are one, He says. There, there's power here. There's, there's the hand of God. There's the hand of Jesus Christ. And when you and I think about the hand or the hands of Jesus Christ, what are you reminded of? The cross, the scars, 
The, the hands that have the scars are the hands that are holding us, that are protecting us, and that, that nothing, no one will be able to take us, snatch us, pull us away out of his hand. Nothing. When you talk about somebody's hand, at least in the Bible language of somebody's hand, especially the hand of God, it's, it's, it's got a picture of power. The hand of God. The hand of God in creation, for example. It's a, it's a picture of power. Seen it in, in creation, seen it in his miracles. We see it even in judgment. There's the hand of God in judgment. But it's a hand of power, and it's more powerful. The Father is, you know, greater than all. Someone said more powerful than all the united energies of man and demons. Someone else said greater than all the combined forces of hell and earth. Greater in wisdom than the old serpent. Someone else said the Father's hand is greater than that of any enemy, making the sheep completely secure. The Father's hand. Turn back a couple pages, John chapter 6. Verse 39. You find this, this concept throughout, and John is especially strong with it. And, and again, it has to do with being one of his sheep. And some of the things I talked about last week, that the, the Father has given to the Son these, you know, these sheep. The sheep are those that believe, and the Father's one who gives the sheep to Jesus, and how that all works together in, in the hand and in the mind and the power of, of Almighty God. But look at verse 39, uh, chapter 6 of John. He said, And this is the will of him who sent me, the Father. That is, I, that I shall lose none of all that he's given me, but raise them up at the last day. How many is he going to lose? It's not like we lose our salvation. We, we can't because it's not based on, it's not something I found. It's something that he found us. And, and so if he can't lose any of us, we're safe, we're secure. The other side of that thing I was just speaking about, verse 40, for my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. So we see that, again, these two things working together, exactly how they work together, that's in God's hands, literally. But everyone who believes, everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And Jesus will never, he will never lose one of those that the Father has given to him. That's incredible, isn't it? He says there uh, as well, back in John chapter 10 and verse uh, 29, he says, no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. No one can snatch them out of his hand. And, and it, he kind of repeats the thing twice. And when something's repeated like that, it's very important. It's, it's for emphasis. It's for that, that you and I would know the truth of it, that we are in the hands of the father and the son. And he said, 
He and the Father are one. It's, we are in the hands of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's taking care of us. Don't you love the commercial that says you're in good hands with Allstate? And you've got to have that real deep voice to say that. I think they, they, you know, they, they have some kind of uh, you know, backdoor reference to God, I think, because they have that real, the guy with the real deep voice. You're in good hands with Allstate. Really? Have you ever had, tried to fight with an insurance company? You know, and even if they're your insurance company and they're saying, well, this is all we're going to give you for that, and, you know, then you got to go get the heavy hitter on your side to fight with your own insurance company. It just goes on. <laughs> Sorry. It goes on and on. <laughs> I don't often laugh at my own jokes because they're not very good, but... But he says here that we're in God's hands. And... Which hands are better? Which one is, is going to be secure and safe for you and for me? It's not in the hands of some company. It's not in the hands of some person on this earth. We trust ourselves, we do, into the hands of doctors and, and uh, you know, other professionals in our world, and, and we, we do that. But ultimately, our, hands are, our lives are only safe in the hands of God. Ultimately, that is the ultimate place that you and I can be safe. In His hands, because He never, never, never lets go. David Guzik said, It's comforting to know that the hands that created the world hold on to the believer. He's a, his hands created the world, and if he's, those are the hands that are holding on to us and the hands of Jesus that have the scars of the cross, you and I are safe. We're secure. You know, when you have small children and you, you know, you're crossing a road or you're in parking lots and that, I always say, you've know, you got to hold my hand. And you hold on tight. Because sometimes they, you know, sometimes they move quickly, and, and if you're not holding it tight, they can get right out of the grass. But, but God's holding on tight. He's not going to let go. So let me ask you, can you lose your salvation? God found us. He saved us. The question is, can He lose us? That's the question. This is one of the clearest statements in the Bible that one who believes in Jesus for salvation will never be lost. Believers sin and stumble, but Jesus as the perfect shepherd loses how many? None of his flock. None. He can't lose us. Now, having said all that for, you know, 20 minutes or something... There are more questions, aren't there? That's not the end of the story, right? Just There, there are questions. Well, well, does that mean, and I'm going to throw out some questions here, does that mean that we can be saved and then just live any way we want to? What about those that walk away? You know, I think, 
I think it's, you know, what we, we've had these experiences, we've known people, maybe even in our own lives, things have happened and we've walked away. And so we do have questions about things like that. Now, I can't pretend that, that we have all the answers because ultimately, God knows. Ultimately. We're... Were and are those who walk away, are they true believers? True believers. Now, can you and I look at somebody and know? Can you see into someone's heart and know whether they are a true believer or not? Now, we can look at people's lives and we can kind of see fruit. You'll know them by their fruit, Jesus said. But ultimately, can you look inside a person's life and see if... if the Spirit of God is living in there. You can't, I can't see inside someone's. You know, some people think the pastor has these you know, x-ray eyes that can see. And like, no, I can barely see. You know, my eyesight, I can barely see half the time. But the Bible tells us this, that God knows those who are His. God knows those who are His. That's the only opinion that really matters, right? Not, not so much what I think, what you think, it's what he thinks. That's the audience of one. Those that would walk away, some are true believers and some aren't. We can't know. God knows. I personally, I personally believe that when someone is a true believer and they are truly born again by the Spirit of God, the Bible says the Spirit of God comes to dwell within us. Is that true? And so if something as radical as that takes place, it's not something that like comes today and goes tomorrow, maybe comes back another day. You're going to be saved today, and then if you do this, then you're not going to be saved for a while, but then maybe you're going to get saved again, and, and maybe you know three or four times until you finally get to the place. That's not the way it works. I give them what? Eternal life. They will never perish. That's what Jesus has said. Now, we, we, we have to judge our experiences in the light of God's Word. The problem, what you know, we see this experience, we, we, we know this person and they were like this and then they were like that. Well, what's going on with them? Well, maybe you can lose your salvation because look what happened with that person there. So we're going by our experience and what we see and what we think rather than what the Bible says. You see the difference? Uh, you know, we... It happens in a lot of different areas. You know, we go by, well, well I had this experience, and, but, but even though the Bible says this, but I had this experience, so, you know, it must, this must be true. Experiences don't always tell us the truth. Your feelings definitely don't always tell you the truth. Well, I felt like this is what happened. What does the Bible say? What does the Scripture teach? That's the important thing. Now, you know, I, I've, I've heard it all in my, you know, my lifetime, you know, that, well, no one can snatch you out of their hand, but what if you jump out of his hand? And it starts to get ridiculous, really. God is not strong enough to keep you in his hand? Well, he's going to play this little game with you? 
jump in, jump out, jump in, jump No, that's not the way it works. If this radical transformation of life and heart has taken place, it's taken place, and it's eternal. Now, if someone, you know, so I said some are and some aren't, those who are true believers, if they wander out, and we, we do that, you know, and it's not good, it's not a good thing, but if we do that, I truly believe that the Holy Spirit living within a person, there is like there's a grief. You're grieving the Holy Spirit, it's called. And, and there's, like, there's like this dissatisfaction, this unhappiness, this something inside. Like, you know that, that my life is just not right. And the Holy Spirit is, is kind of like not willing to leave us in that place. And so he's kind of working to draw us back to that place of following after him. Now, in, in some cases, there are some that profess to be believers. They say all the right things. They, you know, they, they go to church, maybe even give money and, and, and all these different kinds of things or whatever. But they, they, they really have not had a transformation within. I, I see it here in, in our church. People come, and, and I'm not pointing to any, any of you, uh, you know, and you can see that God's working in their lives, and then others come, and, and they, they kind of like, you know, they, they would say some of the right words and, and, and act some of the right ways, but there's never really, you, you haven't seen like a transformation on the inside. It just, it, it, it's on the inside. It's not on the outside. It works from the inside out, but it doesn't start on the outside and kind of work its way in. If I just go to church long enough, if I quote Bible verses, if I you know, say these kinds of words, then it's going to make me a Christian on the inside. That's not how it works. We're Christians on the inside, and then it kind of works its way out. It, it works its way out. But there are true, you know, there are true believers, and, and there are those that are not. Warren Wiersbe said that there are true believers, and there are counterfeits. And again, you and I can't always tell. But he refers to uh, uh, some verses in 2 Peter. He says, the dog and the pig, they will go back to. First John chapter 2, uh, John writes this, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. So, so there were people, and even in, in John's day, where they were part of the church, but they went out, they left. That's kind of sad, isn't it? Very sad to me that, that there were people that you know, were part of the church, part of the fellowship there, but they never really, they never really got that you know, life eternal life living within them. That's sad to me. So you have that. But then you have others, you know, that, that, that have problems. They get out there and, 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 and for one reason or another, you know, they, they wander away. And, but again, the Holy Spirit is working uh, on them and in them. I thought about Peter, you know, although this is uh, before Pentecost, of course, but, you know, 
Peter was a follower of Jesus, wasn't he? And, and, and Jesus said to him, Simon, 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 Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. And we, knew that, we know that, that Peter you know, would go on to deny the Lord three times. We know what happened there. But Jesus said this. He said, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. He said, Jesus, I, I prayed for you. I'm, and, and, and we know Jesus is praying for us even now as believers. But he said, I pray that your faith wouldn't fail. So it, it wasn't based upon, you know, his works, but it was based upon his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what our salvation is based upon, as we have already seen. I'm almost done here, okay? Potluck. The impossibility of true believers being lost in the midst of all the temptation they may encounter does not consist in their fidelity and decision in what we do, but is founded upon the power of God. we got to rest in that. Two more verses, and we'll be done here. This is Hebrews chapter 7, uh, verse 25. Therefore... He is able to save completely those who come to God through Him because He always lives to intercede or to pray for them. That's exciting, isn't it? He's praying for you and for me. We're going to make it. Why? Because I'm so good? Because you're so good? No. Because He is living to pray for us. But notice this. He says He's able to save completely. And if you look that word up, it says to the uttermost, once and forever, perfectly, utterly. That's how much he's able to save us. Completely. He's able to save you completely. All, the whole job, everything, done by him. Not done by you, it's not done by me. The last... Verse, this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. That's the testimony. That's the record. God has given. Jesus said, I give them eternal life. Jesus is God. I and the Father are one. We know that. Is he ever going to let us go? No. It's founded upon his power, his life. Nothing will separate us. Nothing in all of creation can, can separate us from his love, from his power, from the hand, his hands that are holding you and me as his sheep. If you have the Son of God, you have life, eternal life, forever without end. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, I want to thank you again for your word because it is so clear and powerful. Lord, there's a lot of things that I don't understand, that we don't understand, but we hold on to you, we hold on to your word. 
because your word tells us that you are holding on to us. We stumble and we fall, we sin, we blow it. But we are secure for eternity. We are eternally saved. Lord, uh, there's some part of us, I, I know, some part of us want to take some credit for some of it, but it's just not there. Your word tells us that, makes it very clear, Lord. And so we, we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and, and just confess that we owe everything to you, everything to you. And we're so glad, we're so thankful that you have given us eternal life that never ends. And it's all based on the Son of God. It's based on Jesus, your, your Son. We thank you for that. Again, Lord, I, I pray here today, I, I don't know, I can't see into the heart of every person here, but... But, but I know there are some here that are your sheep and they're just safe and secure. And then, then there are some here perhaps that are not. And you're calling out to them. You have your, your hand and, and you want them. You, you desire them to give their lives totally to you. Maybe that's you today. And you can surrender and, and, and put your trust, your faith in Jesus, the Son of God who died upon that cross who was buried that he rose from the dead for you. And you can trust him and say, Jesus, I give you my heart today. I open my heart. I, I ask you in. Come in and save me. Rescue me today. And Lord, maybe even today or, or maybe someone who might hear this is kind of wandering and they truly believe in you, but they're kind of wandering. And, and Lord, I pray for them right now. I know you pray for them. That's what we just read. You're praying for them. You're, you always live to intercede for them. But maybe, maybe we need to repent and turn and get right with you. And if that's you, you can do that as well. It's just as easy just to say, Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me, wash me, help me back, Lord. And again, your word, Jesus says that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You're just waiting for us to return. So we come to you, each one of us, we come to you today, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing. You never let go. Great song.